This is John Michael's Stream of Consciousness. Welcome back into another Stream of Conscious podcast. It's John Michaels from the front row. Give me a follow on social media at John Michaels. You, you can hear us every Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. on 680 The Fan and the 680 The Fan app. A lot of stuff to dive into throughout the podcast today. I've got a list that made Atlanta sports fans really upset. We'll dive into the sports radio bracket, which had some people in town equally upset. I got an oh no for the University of Georgia. The Hawks trading deadline conundrum. Florida State in trouble, according to one of the guests that we had on our show, Jamie Dukes. And time to buy a car for a 16-year-old. All that's to come on the Stream of Conscious podcast. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business. And it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season. Sean Michaels tends to say whatever comes to mind, so we just put a mic in front of him. All you do is talk, 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 talk. This is John Michael's Stream of Consciousness, the podcast that gets into, well, just about everything. Feeling stupid? I know I am. From 680 The Fan and thepodcastpark.com. It's showtime, and I don't mean a bad impression of HBO. I mean time for a show. So one of the things I love to do is dive into lists this time of the year, whether it's somebody putting together a list or me coming up with my own, because lists that are out there usually spark great sports radio debate. Let's be honest. Right now, its I don't want to say it's the dead time of the year. you got Braves starting in a week. You've got the NCAA tournament moving into the Sweet 16. The NFL draft is a little over a month away. In a couple of days, we have the NBA trading deadline. But let's be real. In the South, our main huge focus is always football season. What the Falcons are doing, what the Dogs are doing, what Georgia Tech's doing. You know, for me, what the University of Miami's doing. For other people around the SEC and the ACC or whomever you cheer for, whether it's Ohio State or somebody else, we care about football. Obviously, love the Braves. Think the Braves are going to have a fantastic year and really carry us through the summer as they contend for a World Series. But I put together a list today, thinking about Atlanta sports only. And I literally titled it, The Most Indispensable People in Atlanta Sports. Now, check the wording on that when I say the most indispensable people in Atlanta sports. I'm not saying the best player. I'm not saying the MVP. I'm saying the most indispensable, meaning if this guy leaves their program or leaves their team, That team has an oh crap moment. A lot of times that has to do with the depth at his own position. So this was the wording that I put around it. And of course, it got some very interesting, angry, and different type of responses. So the first thing I thought about when I thought about indispensable players was who had a good backup or who, if, uh, you know, they go out, could somebody come in and round into form? So let me run through the list the way that I had it. 10 through 1. Number 10, I had Jameer Gibbs running back from Georgia Tech. I think it kind of goes without saying 
Georgia Tech and Jeff Collins are slowly increasing the talent base that's coming into the program. And Jameer Gibbs is literally one of those all ACC type players. He's the type of guy that defenses have to plan around. He's the type of guy that literally can take a two-yard carry and turn it into a 60-yard carry. And he gives Georgia Tech the type of credibility that they need. I think if Georgia Tech loses Jameer Gibbs, and I don't know if the Jackets are a bowl pro, uh, eligible program as it is, but there are probably a team that then falls back to three or four wins and really scuffles in year three under Jeff Collins. Number nine on the list, I had Moses Wright. Moses Wright, obviously you saw his importance in the NCAA tournament or his lack thereof because he was not available for the NCAA tournament for Georgia Tech. I said if Moses Wright's there, Georgia Tech might be playing this upcoming weekend in the Sweet 16. He deals with COVID issues. Unfortunately, Josh Passner's crew ends up going by the wayside. Number eight for me was Max Freed. And again, this is not saying ability. This is just saying who Max Freed is and how indispensable he could be for the Atlanta Braves. I say this because you know we're already looking at the potential of Mike Soroka being out for a little while. Braves do have some good depth in the pitching rotation, whether it's Ian Anderson, newly signed Charlie Morton, Drew Smiley. These are guys that can be very good. But you think about Freed a year ago, undefeated 7-0, 225 ERA and 11 games started in a COVID-shortened season. It's a guy that also gives up two home runs on the year, strikes out 50, and only walks 19. This is as a young pitcher at 26 years old in the major leagues. He is absolutely a Cy Young candidate, and as long as Soroka's out, he needs to be the guy you give the ball to every fourth or fifth day to really get things moving. So he comes in at number eight on the most indispensable players list. Number seven, and this is where I started to get the anger from a lot of different people. I have Grady Jarrett of the Atlanta Falcons at number seven. And somebody said, wait a second, how could you have Grady Jarrett that high? He had like five and a half sacks a year ago. Look at the depth around Grady Jarrett. Answer me who is the next most impactful defensive lineman on the Atlanta Falcons. And I'm here to tell you, there's not one. It's Tyler Davison. It's Marlon Davidson, who was on a milk carton. It's Dante Fowler Jr., who had his salary sliced because he stunk so bad a year ago and now has a more incentive-laden deal. You just signed Barkevius Mingo to basically play an outside backer role. He had two and a half sacks a year ago. The Falcons need impact defensive linemen. Grady Jarrett went healthy. I'd argue he's one of the five or six best interior defensive linemen in all of football. And when he was out a couple of years ago, it started this team free-falling into the depths of being the number four pick. Number six on the list, most indispensable players around Georgia, Joseph Martinez. And I know a lot of fans out there go, wait a second, it's, it's Atlanta United, it's Major League Soccer. With Joseph Martinez, Atlanta United was a championship contender. Without Joseph Martinez, they're a team that we quite frankly forgot about last year because they weren't really relevant. He's coming back off an ACL injury. I think he's really good. I think he's an MVP candidate anytime he steps on the pitch, and he's a guy that's got a chance to put Atlanta United back in the sports lexicon here in Atlanta. Number five on the list, Trey Young. Trey Young, to me, obviously is the cornerstone of the Atlanta Hawks. You think about the trading deadline, and we'll get into that coming up here in just a couple of minutes, where it sits for the Hawks. The ability to build around Trey Young will be what some, what Travis Schlenk has to answer for years moving forward. When you made the trade for Trey Young, you gave up Luka Doncic, you brought in a Cam Reddish alongside, and you knew that the cornerstone of your franchise was going to be Trey Young. 
28 points a game, 9-10 assists a game. Great player. Without Trey Young, the Hawks are in the lottery again, and they're completely irrelevant. Right now, with Trey Young, people pay attention. They recently had an eight-game winning streak. They're in the top five of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Trey Young comes in at number five. And again, this list is not about who's the best player, the most indispensable. Number four is Ronald Acuna. People got really mad when I had Ronald Acuna at number four. When I say best player, Ronald Acuna might come in at number one or number two as far as best players in the state of Georgia. Most indispensable, I have him at number four only because there's one player above him in the Braves lineup that potentially could be better. I think the Braves could still be a playoff team Maybe not a playoff team, but they'd be really close to a playoff team with or without Ronald Acuna for a stretch of the season. I'm not saying miss the year. I'm saying for a stretch, they'd be okay. You'd still have Ozuna. you still have Freddie Freeman, Ozzie Albies, Dansby Swanson, Travis Darno, all these different guys that could fill the role and do some good things for Ronald Acuna. Number three from the University of Georgia, I have JT Daniels. And this again, people go, oh, what the hell's JT Daniels done? Well, at the end of last year, he looked like the quarterback that could lead Kirby Smart's team into the college football playoff. For the first time, you had somebody that could actually throw the football around and put up big numbers. And we'll talk about Georgia coming up here in just a moment where we had an oh-no moment for Georgia. Number two, Freddie Freeman, rating MVP of the Atlanta Braves, the most underrated superstar in all of baseball. People don't realize Freddie's a star around the country because he's just kind of ho-hum, and he goes about his business. He's not in the national spotlight a lot, but indispensable. I don't know what the Braves would do at first base, not only with his bat, but his glove, the amount of runs that he saves as well. He comes in at number two. And number one, and this has nothing to do with him being on our show during the year every Tuesday, but it's Matt Ryan. I know the Atlanta Falcons and some of their fans would love to replace Matt Ryan during the draft. They'd love to draft a Justin Fields. They'd love to draft, you know, a Zach Wilson, somebody along those lines. Hate to tell you, Matt Ryan's your quarterback for another two years. And without him, I know you're 4-12 and last year. Without him, you're 1-15 or you're 0-16. Matt Ryan kept you in every game. He kept you in close games. He got you to a Super Bowl. He put you in position to win a Super Bowl. And then Dan Quinn and Kyle Shanahan forgot to turn around and hand the football off to uh, Devontae Freeman. Some of the comments I got on this were hilarious. Um, I immediately got, I can't wrap my head around somebody thinking Grady Jarrett impacts a game more than Julio Jones. I just can't. Understand where I'm going with this when I talk about indispensable players. Julio Jones missed about five, six, seven games last year, and Calvin Ridley immediately turned into a number one receiver, and Russell Gage immediately turned into a number two. Don't don't misconstrue my words. Julio Jones is the best player in Atlanta sports. I'm going to say that very clearly for the people that did not understand. He's the best, but he's not the most indispensable because there are people on his team. Calvin Ridley's a number one on 25 other teams in the NFL. In Atlanta, he happens to be the number two because Julio is there sitting at number one. A couple other ones that, that I got here that were interesting. And a guy, a guy basically called me a Julio hater, and he decided, hey, I'm going to tag Julio Jones. He literally tagged Julio Jones saying, you know, basically, you, you don't know what you're talking about, this, that, and the other. And, you know, you said it that Julio Jones – and, again, I'm not saying that Julio Jones is not a great player. Julio Jones is unbelievable 
as a player. Another guy asked me, he said, what about John Collins? Do you sign him to a max contract? I think I would. Still on the fence about it, though. Well, that just answers your question right there when you say, would you sign him? And I'm on the fence. Indispensable is I can't be without this guy. I just can't. And I think the 10 guys on my list, I can't be without. When we come back, I got to dive into what's going on at the University of Georgia. A conundrum for the Atlanta Hawks. Florida State may be in some trouble and what it's like buying a teenager a car. All that to come on the Stream of Conscious podcast. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Is there chaos in your closet? Look, Blouse, you've got some nerve hanging there like that. I can't help it. I'm jammed in here next to this suit. Hey, I'm a three-piece, all right, which means I need a little more room. You've got a lot of attitude for a linen suit. I'm a polyester blend, sweetheart, and there needs to be room for men's clothes, too. Hi, I'm Christina, and in Artisan Custom Closets, we help families organize and simplify their closets with customized storage solutions. See what's possible for your home at artisancustomcloset.com and then call us for a free in-home consultation. So unfortunately, the first oh no moment hit in spring practice for the Georgia Bulldogs. And we know what Georgia Tech's going through with the COVID scenario, but they will be back at it sooner rather than later as they're navigating through some COVID positives on the campus. The oh no moment for Georgia, and this is what you hate to see, whether it's opening your Twitter feed, opening your score app, opening the ESPN app, or just watching something and the scroll comes across. When you see your team's name down at the bottom of the scroll, it's usually oh no, unless it involves a signing or a trade. This time of the year in college football, it's usually an oh no moment and the dogs had theirs. George Pickens, torn ACL non-contact injury during spring practice. George Pickens was set to be the true number one. You could argue that George Pickens may have been the best receiver coming back in the SEC. Unfortunately for the dogs, you are now probably going to be looking at a year where George Pickens may not play. You obviously, you, you absolutely may be looking now where George Pickens never suits up for the University of Georgia again. Think about it. 2020, 36 catches, 513 yards, and six touchdowns. But that was a situation where when JT Daniels came in, you saw the best of George Pickens. 8 for 87 against Mississippi State, 5 for a buck 26 against a ranked Missouri team, 7 for 135 and a score against Cincinnati in the bowl game. George Pickens looked like a superstar. He looked like a guy that was going to use all six foot three and 200 plus pounds at wide receiver. We looked in the 2021 season thinking that that connection of Daniels to Pickens could become a 1,000-yard receiver. It's crazy. Finn and I had looked up a few weeks ago that the last 1,000-yard receiver for the University of Georgia was all the way back, I think, in 2002 with, with Terrence Edwards. you had gone almost 20 years without a 1,000-yard receiver, and George Pickens was set to be that. The oh no is, you know, even with the onset – of the NCAA allowing players to basically come back to school an extra year. 
if you're George Pickens and you've got an ACL, and again, these are six to eight month injuries, maybe he makes it back at some point of the 2021 season. You know what you do after that? You're putting your name in the NFL draft. So you may have seen the last of George Pickens before, and I know I'm speculating, before he ends up getting a chance to come back to the University of Georgia. I just hate to see it. I know spring practice is wildly important. Kirby Smart came on the station and lamented about how important it was for his guys to get a chance at spring practice. But unfortunately, with spring practice comes spring injuries. With spring practice, you get these non-contact injuries, and I can tell you now, They are the worst. You'd almost rather a guy break his leg than tear an ACL. Broken leg, you're in a cast four to six weeks. Maybe three weeks after that, you're back running around doing things. You tear an ACL, you're talking six to nine months minimum to get a guy back ready to roll. The NBA trading deadline brings about another conundrum for the Atlanta Hawks. And we were talking about this some today, and it actually goes back to a conversation with the list that I was just talking about. And what did that have to do with? That had to deal with uh, the fact that you have somebody like John Collins who's turned down four years and a $90 million extension, and his name sits out there. Now, I know he said some of the right things over the last couple of days via the media, He wants to be in Atlanta. He wants to continue his career here. John Collins is going to be looking for a max deal. And you know what a max deal is in the NBA right now for a guy of his service time? I believe it's four years and about $157 million. Now it escalates. I think it starts at $28 million the first year, and then it's like $32, $36, $38. million. It escalates over the four years. Now he cannot be offered that in free agency in the offseason. Remember, he's also a restricted free agent, meaning if somebody puts an offer together, the Hawks would have the opportunity to match it. With the restricted free agency, I believe the max somebody could offer him is like four years and $116 million. So it's about $40 million less over the life of the contract than it would normally be for somebody like John Collins. The conundrum for the Hawks now is you're playing good basketball. You've won eight of your last nine, and you blew a 20-point lead on the road against the Clippers, or it would have been nine in a row. They seem to be responding to Nate McMillan a hell of a lot better than they did Lloyd Pierce, and I'll be the first to raise my hand and say I was wrong. I would not have fired Lloyd Pierce. I thought they kowtowed to Trey Young and some of the young players, but so be it. The conundrum with John Collins now is, do you honestly believe in the offseason he will resign here? Or are you willing to match four years and $115 or $120 million as a restricted free agent to bring him back? Because if you're not, you have to move John Collins in the next 24 to 48 hours and trade him to somebody and get something in return. The problem is somebody that's going to sign him or trade for him They have to have assurance that they are going to get John Collins to stay in their franchise. If that's the case and you suddenly you think John Collins is actually going to be the guy that's there, then you have to figure out how long can you keep John Collins and what can you get for him. Now, the Hawks, I I think some of the reports have been out there. You want to get a first-round pick and an established player. I just can't trade a guy when I've won eight in a row. You'd ask me this two weeks ago, buy John Collins. I'll go ahead and start over. You've got a really good young nucleus, and John Collins and Trey Young need to be the two building blocks. Clint Capella's really good. I like DeAndre Hunter, who's finally back from uh, uh, health injuries or injury concerns. Cam Reddish, uh, sorry, you could trade him. You, you go get Lonzo Ball, and Cam Reddish is the centerpiece. Bye. I have no problem 
trading away Cam Reddish. He's done absolutely nothing to stay here. Kevin Herter, I know he's only making a couple of million bucks. If I find a better shooter than him, so be it. See you later, Kevin Herter. John Collins, Clint Capella, DeAndre Hunter, Trey Young, those four guys have to stay here, and that's the conundrum the Hawks are dealing with right about now. We'll see how this continues to play out with the Hawks, but it will be an interesting next couple of days to see what they do with John Collins. We had our boy Jamie Dukes on today, and he's got the 21st and Prime podcast. Really fun to listen to with him and Deion Sanders. It's something we asked him at the end, talking about Florida State. I know he's a very proud Florida State alum, but he said something that really caught me off guard because normally you guys know who I cheer for, and I don't have to say it. You know, I, I'm going to defend the University of Miami come hell or high water. Although there's times, whether it was Al Golden, whether it was sometimes in the Mark Richt era, Randy Shannon, I'll call a spade a spade. And if my team stinks, I have no problem saying they stink. Now, when they're 8-1, and one, I'm going to prop them up. Hell, they're a top-10 team. Let's go for it. But Jamie Dukes pulled no punches with Florida State. He, he basically laid out, this program's in trouble. And he said they're on that kind of tipping point where it's either going to be they're going to go in the doldrums, and maybe and he compared them to SMU, which I found interesting because SMU had once hit the death penalty, which is not a good place to be. Florida State will never be there. They're still in the state of Florida. They still can recruit South Georgia. But they've now made two very questionable hires in a row. Willie Taggart, uh, albeit, was never given enough time to turn it around. A year and a half into it, they sent him packing. I thought he was a reach when they hired him in the first place when Jimbo Fisher left him high and dry. Mike Norvell, that was a name that kind of came out of left field. Because remember, Bob Stoops' name was attached to Florida State. Now, again, that could have just been loose internet rumors, but his name continued to stay out there and linger. Bob Stoops is the type of guy that would have had Florida State back sooner rather than later. And maybe ultimately Mike Norvell becomes that guy I just will tell you knowing some Florida State alum and knowing some Florida State fans I don't know a lot of people who are truly happy with the direction of that program and to hear the realness of Jamie Dukes coming out and saying I don't like where it's at he basically said he's taking a step back from FSU he goes I love my school I love my team love my program but they're kind of on probation for me I'll say this just to kind of expand on college football College football's better when Florida State's really good. College football's better when Michigan is really good. College football is better when Texas and USC and Miami and Nebraska are really good. You know the problem? None of those schools are really good right now. USC's okay. Texas uh, just fired a coach but brought in Sark, so they're excited. Miami was 8-1 and one at one point last year and, you know, trying to fight to get to the ACC title. But none of those teams do I look at and say, man, they're just a piece away from being back in the college football playoff discussion. College football needs Florida State to be good again. Clemson and the ACC need Florida State to be good again. And one of their staunchest supporters, when he's saying he doesn't like the direction of the program and he's taking a step back, all I will say is it's scary times in Tallahassee for fans of the Seminoles. We'll see what happens here in 2021 with a transfer quarterback in McKenzie Milton, but they are a program right now that really has some things that they have to work on. Finally, uh, and I love to throw in, and I know there's people that get mad when they listen to the podcast because I've seen your comments on social media. Oh, why are you talking about Valentine's Day? Why are you talking about 
part of the stream of consciousness. These are things that we may or may not get to on the show, and they're just things on my mind. I say this. I'm a regular guy just like everybody else. My bills come every week. I deal with marital problems. I deal with kids and being late to school and dogs pooping in the house. I'm a normal dude. We just have really cool jobs where we get to talk about sports every day. I tell anybody, come up to me in the gym. I'll sit and talk your ear off. Uh, I'm like Domino. I, I have no problem talking time and time again. I'm as friendly as they come until you cross my family, and then it's a whole different ballgame. We're, uh, we're in that very delicate time of buying a teenager a new car. First of all, our daughter scares the hell out of me. She scares the hell out of me when it comes to just driving a car. She's 15 now, and we spend some time in the car trying to teach her how to drive. But as you know, 15-year-olds have the attention span of a tic-tac. Like, literally, you can tell them what to do, and within two seconds, it's in one ear and out the other. I'll be honest. I miss the days when we were in high school, and now I sound like the old man. I miss the days when we were in high school, and you had driver's ed, and you had that little simulation machine where you learned how to drive a car, and you didn't have to worry about crashing it. Our simulation is taking her in a parking lot or let her drive through the neighborhood, and she scares the hell out of me. But in a couple of months, she turns 16, and as good parents, we'd like to purchase her an automobile for her car. And I had some fun with this on social media today. Guys asking me, what, how much do you spend on a car? I honestly don't know. Like, I think about cars that I bought that were seven, 800 bucks. You aren't buying an $800 car. I think our budget is maybe four or five grand or less and trying to find something reliable. Well, it's funny when you talk to a teenager. And the teenager goes, I really like this BMW. Well, so do I. Uh, I don't have a BMW, nor have I ever driven a BMW. Well, how about this small Mercedes? How about no? I'll buy you a Matchbox Mercedes if that's what you think you're going to get. But she thinks she's going to get something like, oh, if not, I just want this Nissan Maxima. Again, I would like a Nissan Maxima. So the tough part as parents is trying to convince your child that A, you driving a car is better than you not driving a car because there will be a lot of your friends in high school that don't have a car. The second part is with the car comes responsibility, and it's not about having a fancy label on the front of the car. Cars are expensive. We all know this. You know, when, if my car breaks down, thank goodness to my buddies at GetInTheRing.com who got me great insurance. You know, maybe I have a, a backup plan. I get a tow car, something like that. But if you, if you don't have any type of mechanical plan, you got to go in and see a mechanic. These cars are expensive to fix. I'm lucky my Kia right now has a bumper-to-bumper warranty for 100,000 miles. So if anything goes wrong for the first couple of years, I'm covered. But what I try to convey to our daughters, we want something reliable. You're probably going to get a Honda Civic or a Toyota Tercel. Something that's got low miles. It doesn't have to be the fanciest. You damn sure ain't getting rims on there. You're not getting 10% tint. I want you driving at 10 and 2. And I've turned into a dad. But it's interesting to see what other people are doing is they're dealing with the same issues that we are trying to figure out how do you buy a car and make it right. And that's where we're at right now. And as parents conveying that message, and maybe I've gotten soft in my old age. I, you know, I think 25-year-old John Michaels, as I talk in the third person, if I would have had kids at that age, oh, my kids would have been treated so, I say rougher, they would have had a little tougher than they do now. We're lucky. My wife and I make pretty good money between the two of us. We live in a nice neighborhood. They've got it made. Like their bad days, I only have an iPhone 11 and not the 12. Again, this is what I'm walking around with. These are first world problems. 
trying to figure out what car to buy, it's going to be tough. If you guys got any idea to help me or places where I can buy something reliable in the next couple of months, please let me know. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, An interesting bullpen conversation that was had today. And I'm going to give you a tease. This is a 24-hour tease. And we may talk about this on the show tomorrow as well. Do you think Kirby Smart in the next 20 years wins multiple national titles or none? One's not an answer. Multiple, meaning two or more, or none. We'll talk about that some tomorrow, and we'll get get into that on the podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Tell them to subscribe. Tell a friend to subscribe. The more you guys listen, the more content I will pump out. Again, give me a follow on social media at John Michaels. You follow the station as well at 680 The Fan. Till tomorrow, see ya. Thepodcastpark.com is your home for the fans' entire stable of original podcasts. If you're a true Atlanta sports fan, you need to stay connected to shows like Welcome to Madlanta, featuring Atlanta's rich history of sports legends. College football fans will love the Chuck Oliver Show podcast. Two hours of college football talk every day, all year. And baseball fans get to dive into Domino's archive of baseball legends on hardball. Subscribe to all these great shows and so many more anywhere you get your podcasts or stream them free 24-7 at thepodcastpark.com presented by Associated Credit Union A lifetime of hard work children laughing in the kitchen family photos on a restaurant wall a legacy that lives on it all comes from the power of a conversation like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.